Well, here we are once again. Welcome to LatinXYZ, where we discuss all things related to U.S. politics from a Latino, Latina, and Latinx perspective. Hi, everyone. My name is Clemence Herrera, and I am the founder of Moria Studio, an ad agency that specializes in political advertising to Latinx. And I am Cecilia Del Cid, an environmental and social justice practitioner, Latin American, an immigrant, community weaver, and also working in media. An awesome person, by the way. You too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so um, today the topic that we're going to discuss is uh, one of the reasons, one of the many reasons, we're going to be discussing those reasons a lot. Uh, one of the many reasons why Latinx refuse to vote or keep swinging in all kinds of different directions. Um, and one of those is there's a deep mistrust in the government. And there are different reasons why this is happening. Um, the two main ones is, in my opinion, governments mm-hmm. in our home countries have totally failed us. And we'll discuss this in a little bit. And then two, governments here have failed us don't you don't mm-hmm. you agree yes there is definitely a sense of um there's breaking of trust but also disillusionment mm-hmm. estamos disillusionados no creemos sí, defraudados sí, yeah so no creemos. um going on point one and i'm gonna say para la muestra un botón is mm-hmm. um What's going on in Colombia right now? I, I'm not really sure if you listeners out there know what's going on right now, but my poor Colombia is, is in trouble. Um, Colombia te quiero. I hope you know. Uh, so Nos basically, queremos. in a nutshell, what's going on is first, the government um, wanted to pass a new tax law in which they were raising taxes in different products and services and surcharging it in products that were exempt from taxes. Um, They also Mm -hmm. wanted to raise property taxes. So these are basically raising taxes in the middle class, on the middle class and um, in the middle of a pandemic. So obviously people were very pissed off and they started protesting, risking their lives really, because Colombia is not really as far as in the vaccines situation as the U.S. is. So basically risking Mm -hmm. their lives, going out to protest, and they were met with heavy response from the police force and the military. Um, Mm -hmm. The media has been very mixed in the way that they treat this. Um, Yes. And what you read in the media and what you see on the ground and what you see in social media is very different, right? Yes, absolutely. And I think that those are one of the things that we have like through the transcurso, no? through the through the life of these uh, conversations, we have been trying to highlight why it's important to have a platform, why it's important the work that you, Clemencia, do, why it's important to portray our candidates the most transparent and honest way that we can. Mm-hmm. Some aren't, some aren't, right? But um, the political advertising, the political campaigns uh, shape perception and shape discourse and shape how we understand the problems or conflicts. Yeah. 
So, right. um, you know, just to give you an example, I've had some of my, the members of my family have sent me videos in which uh, military helicopters are shooting at unarmed civilians. So these entities, and I'm sorry, cause I am, you know, this kind of makes my blood boil. boil. Um, <laughs> these entities are supposed to be there to defend the people, not go against them. So, mm -hmm. you know, Colombians have been through enough, right? Mafia, yeah. a 60 year civil war, government that doesn't work for the people and mm -hmm. police force that is so underpaid that they are easily bought. So, you know, I'm sure everyone out there, the listeners, I'm sure everyone out there knows a Colombian. Colombians are everywhere, everywhere. I've met Colombians in Japan that live in Japan. <laughs> yes. I met Colombians in every single place. Why? Because for years we've been running away from this mess. And yes. then we come here and guess what? How are we going to trust entities in government? How are we going to trust the police? How are we going to trust the military? How are we going to trust our politicians? I mean, many of us just keep our heads down, don't want to call attention to us. Just, I'm just not going to vote. I'm just going to like keep quiet and hope that just things go the right way. Because at the end of the day, our voices weren't really counting. As you can see, people are trying to make their voices heard by protesting and they're being shut down. So, yes. you know, what makes you think that you're going to go to another country and things are going to be different? You know, so this is this is the dilemma. Think, I think I am not. I, I don't doubt that many Latinos have the same dilemma. Yes, absolutely. And I think um, this once again, I think brings us back. This is a very clear example that brings us back at things that we have discussed in the past. Uh, people come here in the hopes leave their country in the hopes that they will find a better life somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So um, some people are are migrants or immigrants by um, by a spirit, you know, that some people who have like a, pl a place that citizens of the world in that sense and they want an adventure and they go and many people don't mind traveling but will always have their roots, you know, but people who live in status of fleeing war, fleeing chaos, fleeing poverty, fleeing climate change are doing so in the hopes of a better life. A better life. Right? That's or right. in the hopes of going to a place where they can rebuild. So the United States, when we talk about the American dream, has played itself as, and you said it in other parts, like a beacon of democracy, a place in which you will come and your vote will count. But then when you come here and you begin to really look at the systems and realize that so much, that there is something called the United States exceptionalism, right? Like the rules that apply to other countries and apply to the United States when U.S. citizens thinks thinks U.S. citizens think of themselves, but also so much of what the United States foreign policy has done has caused many of these relationships. Right, like when we think about what is 
you know what like when we think about what you think like the got the military is supposed to be there to protect the citizens right when i think of the military i think of like let's say there's an earthquake or there is like a flood right. and a bridge gets wiped and in guatemala the, the el cuerpo de the ingenieros del ejército the mm. engineers of their you know of the army come and they put the fake you know like the temporary bridge and they rescue people or like in a earthquake they're the ones the first responders right that's what we think right but also think about who has funded the the colombian military for example and for what purpose and who are they defending now are they still the defenders of the citizenry or are the defenders of private industry um in their national land? interests other international interest and and I'm sure Colombia is not exception but um, I was reading something like the productive lands are held by 0.4 percent uh, no I'm sorry yeah two-thirds of its productive lands are held by private owners two-thirds that means that the one-third is a split amongst everyone else with some pequeño productor mm-hmm. so it's like one out of every 200. 50 Colombians owns that much. Mm. That's not right, even so the like, 1%. Might, That's even less than the 1%. No, it's a 1%. Like, it's so like, yeah. When we think, and that is probably not unique. I don't have numbers for Guatemala, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if we were right there. So I just want us to think about what are the systemic things mm-hmm. that happen in this country, the United States, how the way in which people influence policy get to positions of power and they replicate many of those things. Mm-hmm. That not, that's not to say that our own countries don't have their own histories, their own context, their own shapes and forms of white supremacy, rotten capitalism, mm-hmm. um, sexism, patriarchy. Like That is not to say that we don't have our own flavor. But let's, let's look at situations of power And I think that also as we begin to think about what does it mean to organize? And when when communities think we need to come to the streets, that was what we experienced last summer in the United States. Yeah. And yeah. what Colombia is experiencing right now to have agent provocateurs or people who infiltrate the protests to do a rat, you know, to to ignite chaos. Yeah. It's a strategy of the powerful. Because then the response is validated. Yeah, that's right. Then you can attack because they are destroying private property, right? Like they are losing. They're... And the truth is, I always think here, I will never, I will always value, this is my personal belief, like life over property. Property can be replaced. Oh, yeah. Life cannot. Yeah. That being said, I understand what it feels to have material loss when you have put a lot of effort into bringing something. Yeah, of course. In this country, many places have insurance. So if something happens to the property, it will be replaced. I don't know if that's the same thing in Colombia, right? So hmm. it might be a difference on what it means to have material loss. It might be your livelihood, what you lost. Yeah, exactly. And and right now in the city where I'm from, Cali, there's so many businesses and buildings that have been burned down. And 
Of course, I'm not gonna get into who did it because you know, everybody says something mm -hmm. different, but I've seen videos of owners of businesses outside howling because they've lost mm -hmm. their livelihood. Yes. And I'm sure that this happened here as well during the protests last summer. So everyone watching, everyone, all Latinos that are here in the United States are watching all the stuff that's going on here and saying, what is the difference? What's so different? We're still being oppressed here. There's still insurrectionists in, in the, inside of the protest trying to uh, create discord. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's still businesses being burned down. You know, what is so different? Why should I act on in this country if it's just the same as where I'm from in terms of, obviously, in terms of political unrest and, and things like that? Obviously, there are many upsides. I'm not saying that, you know, we're here and everything is totally the same. I'm sure, you know, people have better jobs and are able to support themselves better. And there's maybe better education for their children and there's more job opportunities and all that stuff. I'm not, I'm not invalidating, you know, being an immigrant and coming to this country and, 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 and seeking that better life. I know that even though it's hard, hard, hard work, people feel that it's still worth it to come here. However, in terms of getting involved in, you know, political discourse and and involved in campaigns and voting and, and being, you know, involved in the community, that's where, you know, here comes that the imbalance of why should I do it? You know, why should I yes. do it if it's if it's going to be the same as in my country? And I think that this is what when we can kind of like make a calling back to like um, maybe a call for hope. Um, this country has had, and our countries too, um, big, big movements, grassroots movements, movimientos de base that have been the infrastructure and framing for um, structural change. Um, I think for me coming here and learning about the civil rights movement was transformational. I am always thinking about what it would take. I think of leaders like MLK mm -hmm. and the amount of mo the power of mobilizing. And I think Guatemala has 17 million people. What would it take to to inspire, to ignite hope in half of that population, right? So I admire the possibility, the organizing mm -hmm. experience. I think many groups in the United States, immigrant groups, indigenous groups, black groups, um, there's the, the feminist movement, have a lot of experience mobilizing, organizing at the base. It's powerful. Mm -hmm. I think they have understood that we cannot do this on our own. Yeah. I think that in our countries, Media and propaganda has done a very good job at instilling a lot of fear. Yeah. And even in spite of that fear, when I think of the Guatemalan 36 years of war as well, right? Civil war. There was a lot of people who put their lives on the line. 
because they have the possibility of not fighting like the possibility of not fighting was much more terrifying than losing your life in the fight and i know that that is scary yeah and i know that that is something that we are tired of doing Mm-hmm. We don't want to die to five because we want a better life. We're not asking for a wealthy life. We're asking for the basics. And we've talked about basics. this here before. We're saying we want to be able to have a, have a family, whatever shape that family has for you. Mm-hmm. We want to be able to educate our children. Mm-hmm. We want to be able for our children to play safely in their neighborhoods. We want to be able to decide... Um, as a woman to go out and don't, not feel any fear. I want to be able to practice any religion that I, that I feel connected to. So I am not asking to become a billionaire. Right. I am asking to be able to pursue a productive, creative, fulfilling life. Yeah. Right. And and even though it's supposedly to be enshrined in the constitution of this country, right? The pursuit of happiness. It's, it's not for everyone. It doesn't cover everyone. And we can no longer sit in the sidelines. Yeah. Because sitting in the sidelines is also a position. Yeah, exactly. And, and you're right. I mean, I know... I'm a Colombian, so I know the experience from Colombia. I know for a fact that Colombia has a long history of um, unions, labor unions, Mm -hmm. and they've been fighting for uh, workers' rights uh, for a long time. I know because one of my cousins is, uh, it works in HR and she has to deal with unions all the time. Um, So, you know, so that spirit of organizing el pueblo, you know, like el pueblo Mm -hmm. is very strong. And, you know, many in my family, you know, are are Democrats because they've always been in that way of thinking like el pueblo is important um, and the community is important and everyone deserves the same. Uh, So I and so, yeah, exactly. You know, if we were fighting for that in our countries, why can't we fight for that here? And um, I know that the the you know many Mex- Mexican immigrants have done an amazing job at organizing. And and I think what the, the the next piece of the puzzle is not just Mexican immigrants, not just Colombians, or not just first generation immigrants or second or whatever everyone all latinos organize together for each other because i know that we share the same needs and wants and we all want everyone to grow so this is that organizing that we're looking for and and you you're exactly right standing in the sidelines is a position and it's not a position Mm -hmm. that we can keep taking because what happens we get railroad (laughs) <laughs> and I think also we, we tend to think those. <laughs> I think that we tend to think that if we don't have certain status, we cannot get involved. Mm. Like if you are undocumented or if you are um, TPS or a student or like becoming part of a movement. It might be that you might you cannot vote. The law says that you cannot vote and we respect, we know that the the evidence shows that there is no voter fraud 
but there is no significant voter fraud that immigrants are not voting or committing fraud. Mm -hmm. We know that the data supports that. But we, I think that there is a fear because in our country, sometimes organizing is a matter of life and death. Here, it might, yeah. it used to be. Yeah, I you know when when you tell the African American community what how many people were lynched for organizing for for registering people to vote, it was a matter of life and death. Yeah, it's still a matter of life and death, but there are certain safeties, other types of safeties, and I think that what we have to invite our community to do is like it doesn't matter what your status is if you have chosen to live in this country you should get involved mm. politically. I think that because of these experiences in our countries, we tend to think politics politics are really dirty. And we're like, those are corrupt, dishonest. Yeah. Every politician is a liar. Why would I get myself into it? Right. And I think that once again, that is a position that speaks about some of our privileges. We might feel that our privilege is enough that we can just sleep under the radar i am gonna you know i i am not being affected right now no one i love is being affected so i'm just gonna be invisible and just not call attention but we are when we, choose we are being affected even if it's indirectly i mean we're talking about yes. healthcare reform we're talking about minimum wage we're talking about just so many ramifications that are directly and indirectly affecting Latinos, you know, COVID, COVID has mm -hmm. affected Latinos so much just because they're essential workers. And, yes. and it's just, you know, we can't just sit there anymore. And, and there's so many ways to get involved. If you are undocumented, you can still volunteer for a campaign. You can still tell mm -hmm. your family members that are documented to vote for a certain candidate you know, to help you, you can still, you know, there's just so many ways to get involved and, and to kind of just take some power back. Be just because you're undocumented doesn't mean that you are completely powerless. And um, also, you know, people that are coming here uh, seeking asylum, you know, it's, it's, it's almost the same thing. They've gone through so much back in their homes that they're completely disempowered and they just feel, I just need to get, you know, my life back on track and, you know, I'm just going to put my head down and hope for the best. But at the end of the day, there's so many causes to fight for. You can, you know, you can fight for other asylum seekers too. And, you know, there's just so many ways to get involved and it's, It's just getting involved in whatever, whatever your flavor is, you know, you don't need to yes. run for candidate. <laughs> <laughs> whatever no. flavor you choose to do, you can still get involved. <laughs> And I think that that's conversations many of us don't really even know, like, what does it mean to run? Because I think campaigns, especially at the local level, level are definitely run very differently in this country. Just because you have federal elections and then you have mm -hmm. state elections and then you have your local elections. And there is so many kind of these three levels of government. Yeah, that city council. I think some of us, I think many of us, at least in Guatemala, you have your your elections every four years, right? And, every, and I think most people picked alcalde, like mayor or like um, deputados, congressmen, 
uh, in that election. And then we kind of forget, look, we don't vote for the next four years unless so, like a special thing happens. So we don't have a lot of comprehension of the process. Right. So that's when having someone like you who can say, okay, you know, or like, and we're going to have, I think as we are thinking about these conversations, some guests that could help us inform us guide us of how we are we can get involved yeah. because at the end that is what we're trying to do to really explore what are some of the barriers that prevent our community from getting activated mm -hmm. and what are some of the things that we are concerned about and what are some of the things that are just like our ignorance We don't know how the system works, so therefore we don't know where we can volunteer. We don't know where we can plug in ourselves. Right. I want to tell you, for example, I have done once canvassing. It was really scary, like knocking on doors. I've, I've done it twice. I once did it for like the day of the elections, like don't forget to go to the, you know, like just don't forget to vote today. And yeah. I felt every door that I approached And I was alone, and it probably would have been different if I had a pair. It was not my cup of tea. And then I did it It's with someone, and we were like, and then I did it with someone else, and it was like, oh, have you heard about this candidate? This is her platform. And like, some people, most people are really nice, but I was just like, put me somewhere when you want me to stuff your envelopes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go to a person's store. But I tried it, right? I put myself in the discomfort of what it That's means amazing. to do That's amazing. Thank you so much for so that. So people are super... I've had young people come to my door and be like, I am here from so-and-so state and I am here to ask you, who are you going to vote? Yeah. Like, I'm here for so-and-so. And you're like, oh, yeah. good. What are you doing? It's like, no, we're... You know, so, so people who get on the bus and who go from state to state, bless it. Yeah. But there is a space for every single... Like, there's people who do phone banks. Yeah. There's people who send postcards. There's people who get on the I, phone to get donations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But also people who are... I would say I would probably do better if someone told me, shuttle people to the to the earth. I'd be like, sure, I'll pick you up. I'll take you there. I'll take you home. I will be a chauffeur. All like, yeah. that. I can do that. Yeah, but like, and that's a, that's a great point because you don't have to have a party affiliation and you don't have to sway people into voting for a specific party or can candidate. All you have to do is get involved to just get people to vote because I, I personally don't care who you vote for <laughs> as long as you do. That's the, mo I mean, that's I the most important care part. I who you vote for. But I was I will settle for everyone should get involved. Well, I, of course. I mean, okay. I am a Democrat. Yes. I work for Democrats. Of course, I care. But no, yeah, but, no. Well, you know what I'm, I mean. I'm just you. trying to say, just vote. You know, that's yes. all I care about, really. Eventually, you know, once you start voting, let's talk about who you're voting for. Yes. <laughs> but but let's, I mean, also, it's just the emotion of getting started, of of registering. You know that's that's such a powerful thing, um, and and people don't they just take it they just think it's just not going to do anything and and this is like you know I talk I, I sound like a broken record you know this this empowerment around voting it's like no and, and because it's like you know everybody's in Colombia that I talk to they say the same thing it doesn't matter who we vote for 
we're basically voting for that same guy that was our president like 10 years ago, but it just reincarnated in another person and another person and another person. And, and it's the, you know, it's the same thing, you know, people just feel the same. It's like, we're voting for like dynasties of, of presidents here, you know? And, and, and it's just, there's, you know, they, it's, so, 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 in, that... so in a way they just feel like nothing is going to change. Even if they vote, nothing is going to change. I have two things to, to say to that. Like in Guatemala, we say that voting for el menos peor, which is terrible. Yeah, you feel like you don't have a good option. I heard that here too. And yes. <laughs> and also, I think that 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 you're saying about what, what does political power mean? And we have political families in the United States. Mm -hmm. You know, the Kennedys have been one. The Clintons have been. Mm -hmm. The Bush have been. Mm -hmm. Um... These are families who's like like a lot of members and generation after generation have been involved in politics and in power in politics. And maybe it's time that we begin to support candidates that have an idea of what it means to be a regular citizen with regular citizen, you know, problems or, or issues to address. Because if you haven't worked for minimum wage, Ever, and neither did the last three generations, you know, before you. You have no idea what it means and, and the trauma, how traumatic it is to work 40, 60, 80 hours a week and not yeah. be able to survive. And, and that was a big scandal in Colombia two weeks ago, in which they were asking the minister of um, one of the ministers of economy, you know, don't you know how much a dozen eggs? cost and he didn't <laughs> so but, but, so but it's the like same. it's exactly like the parallels are just impressive you know it, it, if, if you don't know how much the middle class or is spending on food how are you going to understand I, the middle class so so it's it's, it's the same the, the parallels are just uncanny and people see it this is not just like i am seeing it Everyone is seeing it, and and, and this and causes for people to just say, "Ah, oh, you know what? I'm 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 all set here." <laughs> we we have to stop thinking. So there is this big protection of the elite class. Obviously, they have a lot of resources to lobby, to buy government officials in our countries. Definitely to buy, to impose, to support, to finance. Um, here they still do it. There is a little less. Um, mm -hmm. Um, maybe it's a little, it's a little bit more shame. They're losing a lot of that veil. It's coming more and more true that the upper class. We have had decades, decades of trickle down economics, in which we say we give the money to the top, they will create jobs, then the wealth will disperse down. We know that didn't work. We've done no. it for 50 years. The experiment has failed. Yep. <laughs> we look at economists who have earned the Nobel, you know price of economics saying yeah. this doesn't work yeah so why and all are that we continue? tied up in some fiscal paradise <laughs> but we also continue to so so for a long time wealth has been being transferred from the base to the top right we know that it's being transferred we know that there is 719 billionaires in the united states that own i don't know as much money as 50 percent of the of the country or something like that 
which is absolutely unethical, immoral, and ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But we also know that for a long time, the middle class has believed that they are supporting the poor and that their taxes and their contributions support the poor. Now that there is not that much to squeeze from the bottom, guess who is going to start to get a squeeze? The middle. And the middle has dwindled and dwindled over the last decades as well. So when are we going to begin to have, and I think we also mentioned this before, some class solidarity. Mm-hmm. We we know this idea, there is ideas that have been created about what poor people are and are not, and this idea that they are lazy, that they want to live off the system, that they want to receive benefits. We know that that is not true. We know that that poor people work. And on top of working, they still need to apply for benefits because they can't survive without them. And because they make so little that they still qualify. So Mm -hmm. when are we going to understand that what keeps the economy going and that will allow us to transform into a just, environmentally sound future is to begin investing in jobs who are carbon neutral, like, you know, education, teachers don't spend carbon, caregivers don't spend carbon, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of agriculture, a lot of like service industry are not carbon intensive industries. So like, when are we going to begin to put the resources back at the base because what happens when we have a house in which the foundation is crumbling it doesn't matter if it's a mansion on top it's going to crumble eventually so i don't think we also understand how economics work we need to put the resources in the people who actually go into the economy and buy food yeah pay for services you know buy clothes like yeah, that that is what mobilizes the economy, not the stock market, which which we have also mentioned before. Yeah, yeah. that was so so beautifully put, and this is why <laughs> you're on this podcast with me because you just put things in such an amazing way. Thank you so much. I think well, we're running out of time. Thank you. So yes, um, but we'll come back next week. Colombia, I hope you figure this out. Uh, I will be there. In heart, all I can do is just wish you well and pray for you. And with that, we leave you. Thank you so much. Please share, like, leave us a comment. Clem at latinxyzpod.com. Twitter, latinxyzpod. Instagram, Mm -hmm. latinxyzpod. And we're starting TikTok too. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you so much, Amor. Bye, Ms. Sissy.